How are you all doing tonight? We all good? Yeah. It looks like summer's just arrived. It's like, where's it been for the last eight weeks? It's been like winter, rainy, and it's like the tropics. It's like when they had the rainy season on, but praise God, the sun is out shining now, and we've only got about two more weeks to go of summer. <laughs> but praise the Lord, sometimes it can be summer in our lives all the time, amen? Yep, it can. <laughs> You can choose to live under the weather or on top of the weather or wherever you like. See, the thing is, one of the most amazing things that God has given us, apart from the gift of life, is this. got the power of choice. If you choose to live in blessing, no one can curse you. If you choose to live in, uh, in, in, <clears throat> in poverty, um, you live in poverty. But if you, you have the power of choice over your life. An incredible gift that God has given you. You have the power to choose your destiny. A lot of people today... Um, I mean, I've talked about this in the past, but people say that attitude is everything. Attitude is everything, but it doesn't actually determine your future. Uh, we're in a season right now, I believe, where God is awakening dreams in people's lives. That's a great thing. We need to dream. But the thing about dreaming is this, unless dreaming actually gets out of dreaming and into doing, uh, nothing happens. You can dream about all the great things you like, but unless there's a uh, something takes place uh, in the natural, nothing happens. People dream for years and years and years and still dream and still dream and they've never actually accomplished anything in their life. I tell you what, the Bible says that a dream comes by much activity. Maybe God will put a dream inside of your life, but you must choose. You have the power today to choose whether you walk in life or death, blessing and cursing. Today, what choice will you make? What choice will you make tomorrow? And so those little choices that you make every day will determine whether we live a life of fulfillment or whether we live a life of confinement. Tonight, I pray that you make a good choice. And tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to make the best choice you possibly can ever make, and that is to not find a spouse, but to invite Jesus Christ into your life. <laughs> and if you invite Jesus Christ into your life, he can, he'll do some incredible things in your life. How many people here tonight that God's done some incredible things in your life, taking you to places that you think, wow, I never thought I'd be doing that. And uh, me and Kate are off to Pakistan, and if, when are we going? May, so that's going to be exciting stuff. Kate's never been there before, and uh, we're going to have a preaching in front of thousands of people, so it's going to be great. Hey, tonight I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, and I feel God has been speaking to me. And uh, the title of my message tonight is, uh, is when, when Kings Awake. When kings awake, the making of a king. Yeah, let's do that one. The making of a king. That's a better. That sounds better. I couldn't really decide which one, but it's it's about a king anyway. Interesting enough, who knows what Pastor Mike has been talking on for the um, over the last few weeks? Uh, one of his visions for for the beginning of this year was strengthening the foundations. The word king actually means foundation. How about that? I thought it would be like warrior or something like that. And I, I looked it up in the concordance, and it's like this means foundation. I thought, well, at first I thought, well, that's boring, but actually, it's, pretty, it's a pretty powerful thing when you think about it. The word king means a foundation. The making of a king, and uh, you know, it's funny sometimes where, I was just talking to the music team during the week about this, and uh, God's been doing a work in my life, and I, I don't know, God's been doing a, a work in many people's lives in this church, and um, you know, sometimes when you're you get a prophetic word or things sort of start to fall into line and you, you just think you're on the money with God. You just think you got God all figured out. And then all of a sudden you think, wow, your whole world just gets turned upside down. And then just when you think you got that figured out, it gets flipped up another way. <laughs> I 
many people know what I'm talking about tonight? Yeah, like you, you think about what Pastor Mike talked about last Sunday with Peter. And, and here's Peter. And, and uh, for, for thousands of years, there had been the promise of a savior king, uh, that God will send a king to redeem uh, the, the people of Israel. Thousands of years prophesied all through the generations and, and uh, generation after generation wanting, wanting to know who's going to be this king. And then one day, Peter gets caught up by, by this man, Jesus, and he follows Jesus. And, and then one day, he's walking down the road with the guys, and, and here's this massive revelation. We talked, Pastor Mike talked about it the other week. Peter's revelation, uh, he got a download straight from heaven. And uh, you, you guys know the story of Matthew chapter 16, where uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, that is amazing. That is an amazing word from God you have. No, no one else told you. You didn't read that from Bible college. You didn't read it in, a, in the latest book out or anything like that. This is something that God has spoken. You got this directly from the throne room of heaven. Can you imagine how Peter would have felt about that? It would have been like, wow, <laughs> this revelation, man. I, I, I have got, I've got this thing figured out. I, he is the son, he is the, son, the son of God, the, the, the promised king that we've been waiting for, who's going to set us free from all the Romans. And, and he started to figure it all out. After Jesus said, upon you, I'm going to build my church. And can you imagine what must have been going on inside of Peter's mind at that point? He started to have a little bit of foresight about how the future could look. Thinks he got it all figured out. And then all of a sudden, just a few minutes later, Peter, Jesus gives Peter another piece of revelation and talks about actually how it's going to actually work out. And of course, next thing you know, Peter's whole world has just been turned upside down again. Once he started off as a fisherman, now he's going to be the cornerstone from which the, the, uh, the, the church that Jesus Christ is going to build. Now it's flipped up back the other way. Can you imagine what it would be like to try and work all that out? I don't know about you, but I've had um, some prophecies in the past and about this and about that, and a number of great and mighty things. Many of you probably had some great prophecies about you're going to be a great woman of God doing this, or you're going to be a great man of God doing this, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a position where you're trying to work stuff out because it hasn't worked out how you thought it would work out. How many people know what I'm talking about? You think Jesus is going to maybe do you, be a magic jack-in-the-box, and all of a sudden things don't work out as though you'd thought they would work out or as though you'd hoped they would work out. But I want to tell you tonight, one of the things about God is we need to learn to trust God. One of the things that we can choose is this. We can choose to trust God. And then there's another king that tonight I want to talk about, a, a king that was prophesied over, but a king that was also made. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I believe that uh, kings are sometimes born, but sometimes kings are made. Kings are made. And I believe that right now God is in the process uh, of making kings in our life, making kings in His church. And the Bible says he is, Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. Well, what are those kings underneath that He is the King of? See, God is wanting you and I to be raised up as kings and priests unto the Lord. See, the different, there's a difference between a king and a priest. The, the word priest means to connect or to join. But a king is a different role than a priest. A king, is a, uh, a king goes out to war. A king goes out in the largest territory. A, t- a king will go out and fight battles. A priest will not necessarily go out and fight a battle. But a king will go out and take on and, and extend borders and, and, and fight on people's behalf. And then we're talking about this king, one of the most famous kings in the Bible. His name was David. Now, David one day was out uh, in the field, and he was working the sheep. He was shepherding in the sheep. Then one day, 
out of the blue, the, uh, this prophet comes along, and you all know the story, and, and uh, calls David in and says, and anoints him. And they say, this is, you're going to be the next king. God has anointed you king of Israel. And if you're a young man and you have a, a prophet come through and, and, and anoint you with oil and say these things, and then he walked back out to this field, what would be going through your mind? <laughs> uh, really? Wow. <laughs> well, that, well, that was quite a day. <laughs> that was quite a day. How many people like you've, You've, you've been maybe uh, you've been to a great service here as we always have, and there's a uh, maybe Pastor Mike or Pastor Lynn or one of the guest speakers maybe pulls you up and, and prophesies over you, and and you go home and think, wow, well, that, that was pretty cool. That was a great service, and you wake up the next day and you try and work it all out. And it must have been the same thing with David. David has this this word that you're going to be king over Israel. He goes, wow, wow. Starts imagining how it's all going to work out. Maybe it's going to look like this. Maybe it's going to work out like that. You're going to be a great, you're going to preach to thousands. You're going to do this in the community. You're going to, do the, you're going to be this mighty man. You start to try and figure it out inside. How's God going to do I wonder when all this is going to happen. When's it going to be my lucky day? I, figured, I tried to work this sort of stuff out. And then so David, he's, he's going about his business. He's holding on to the strange experience where he's been anointed to be king. And one day, you all know the story that, that uh, the Israelites got taunted by Goliath. And, and then David comes out and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine and wins a, a tremendous victory? I bet after that victory, he's thinking, wow, I'm starting to get the picture now. Remember Samuel coming and pulling me out and anointing me and saying that I'm going to be king over Israel. Now I've won this great victory. Well, I've got this thing figured out. I've got this thing figured out. Maybe it's similar thing that's happened in your life too where you've had this great prophetic word and all of a sudden a, a door opens up over here or, or a door opens up here or something happens and it just like confirms it. Maybe it's not the the Goliath situation or anything like that, but maybe it's a, a breakthrough in business. Maybe it's a, a breakthrough in your, in your finances somewhere. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your walk with God. Maybe it's a breakthrough somewhere, and you just think you've got it all figured out that, oh yeah, the next step is kingship. <laughs> the next step is up here. The next step is the next level. But sometimes God can just flip things the other way. And as you know, in the, in, through the story of David, that uh, all of a sudden, when he thought he must have got it all figured out, his world got tipped up the other way. When he just thought he got the prophecy figured out, when he thought he got his experience with Goliath and his great victory, he was standing on the side of the mountain, uh, enjoying the victory. All of a sudden, things turned to change. His relationships with people started to change. The king Saul, he, he thought highly of him at first. All of a sudden, the relationship there started to change. And all of a sudden, it feels like, it felt, must have felt like to him that on, on one, one hand that God had anointed him, that God had spoken a, an amazing word over his life, that, that, God's, uh, that God's power was upon his life. But on the other hand, it must have felt like that his whole world was starting to fall apart. And we start to read on that eventually Saul tried to kill him, and, and then eventually he had to escape. He was in so much fear of his life that uh, it, it was almost like he stepped he started to get into trouble, and that trouble got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I don't know about you, but I found myself in a position where I've stood on top of mountains. I've, I've, I've had great prophetic words. I've 
had prophecies of this and that and the other thing. And I've done some amazing things and seen some amazing things happen over the last little while. But you know, sometimes when you, got, you think you've got it all figured out, God does a flip-flop on you. Or he flips your world upside down. And I felt for me that in, in my own life that God has been doing a work. And so it's almost like as with one hand God was blessing me and, and uh, it's, wow, yeah. 6,000 people saved in one meeting. Miracles like this, miracles like that. But on the other hand, you feel like you're in a mess. You feel like your world is just falling apart. And so David is in a place, in fact, he comes such an, in, into such a place where we read in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20 that he, he runs to a place, he runs to uh, Abimelech, a, a Philistine king, and, and, and tries to hide and, and find refuge with him. Interesting enough, the word Abimelech means this. It means uh, the father of a king. <laughs> the father of a king or a king's father. I mean, there's lots, of, lots we can get into, but, but tonight I just want to keep focused on with David. So David comes into this place. He, he comes into a relationship with the, with the father of a king, and, um, and he thought he would find safe refuge there. But actually, even that world starts to get turned upside down. And David comes, in fact, it got so bad where David... The Bible says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20 that David had to pretend like he was a madman. He had to get on the ground and drool and dribble and babble a few things in order that he would escape. Can you imagine what it would be like to, to come from a place where you've been prophesied that you will be a great man of God or a great woman of God and that you'll be doing this and you'll be doing that and you won this great victory that seemed to confirm all that. Next thing you know, you find yourself in a position where you are dribbling and pretending like you're a madman just to try and escape. What would be going through your mind? <laughs> What's going on here? Maybe you're not dribbling like a madman, but Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're just trying to work stuff out. <laughs> Maybe you're in a place of financial pressure. Maybe you're in a place of, you know, God promised that he's going to bless you and enlarge you and you're going to have great finances. And next thing you know, you find yourself in a place where you're, you're having to borrow money and you think, one hand, but sometimes things don't match up. But see, what we're going to understand that all through this time, God, was forging a king. See, for sometimes we have a, a prophetic word upon our lives that you're going to be a, a great and mighty apostle and you, you get this, fantastic, I'm going to be an apostle, I'm going to be a prophet. And next thing you know, you know, your world seems to change. See, God will anoint you, but uh, there's also got to be a process where you've got to become that person. There's many prophets, there's many apostles, I believe, in this house tonight, but it's not just a prophetic word that you've got to get excited about. We've got to do the hard yards because God is in the business of forging genuine kings, genuine apostles and prophets that will carry his heart and they will make a difference. Can you imagine what it would have been like for, for David when, in fact, the Bible says just here, if you look in, in Psalm chapter 34, and just in the time where, this tells you a little bit about what, the, the type of character that makes a king. So here David is in a place where he's having to escape from the, uh, from the father of the kings. The, he was having to pretend like he was a madman. How humiliating would that be? How humiliating would that be to try and pretend like you're a madman just to get out of the place alive? But instead of grizzling and groaning, David wrote this, 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 this psalm at this time. In verse 34, I'm just gonna, chapter 34, I'm just going to skip through it. In verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
I'm so afraid but that I have, to, I have to carry on like a madman. I've got to do some things which, which seem strange and, and, and I really want to do that. Quite humiliating. But in the same time, when he's by himself, he comes to the presence of the Lord. And he says, Lord, I will bless you at all times, even though I'm afraid, even though I'm trying to work things out, even though things don't look like they should look. I will bless the Lord at all times. And it says, His praise shall be continually in my mouth. In verse 7 it says, And the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 17, he says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. And he delivers them out of all their troubles. And the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And save such as have a contrite spirit. Many of the afflictions are the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, the all, out of them all. He guards all his bones, and not one of them is broken. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none whose who trust in him shall be condemned. I wonder what else was going through David's mind. And he was in a place of despair as he, as he was in a place of shame and humility and complete brokenness. I wonder if he remembered back to that, that verse that he wrote, that, that psalm that he wrote when he was a young boy, uh, Psalm chapter 8. When I look at the heavens and I see the works of your hand, I thank you today that you have crowned me with righteousness, you have crowned me with glory, and you have crowned me with honor today. See, that is the God that we serve. The Bible says in Psalm 8, who what is man that you are mindful of him, that you have, you have crowned with glory and honor. Friends, it takes a man of faith, it takes a woman of faith to be able to step out and speak that word over your life, even though you may feel humiliated, even though you may feel like your life is a mess. You can stand up and say, you have crowned me today with honor. You have crowned me today with glory. Maybe you're here tonight and that you don't know Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to tell you tonight that one thing that keeps that crown off your head, that keeps the honor off your head is sin. Friends, if you tonight would uh, open up your heart to Jesus Christ and invite him in to be your Lord and Savior, he will put that crown of glory and honor back on your life. You don't have to carry that burden of sin. And so David finds himself in a place where he is at the bottom of his life. Things could not get any worse. How many people have pretended like they were a madman just to escape? <laughs> not, not many. If you're, at, if you're at that point there, your life is pretty low. The Bible says that there was nowhere else for him to run. The only place he could go to was go and hide in a cave. Maybe that cave's here tonight. <laughs> nowhere else to run, hidden in a cave. And the Bible says that all those that were distressed and discouraged and have been knocked around by life all joined him in this cave. So here's David, and he's got about five or 600 men with him, about the size of this church, actually. And they're all hiding in this cave because there's nowhere else to go. Failed in life, failed financially, failed in relationships, failed morally, failed here, failed here, got nowhere to run. The only place they could go was join the madman in the cave. <laughs> mm. Sometimes it feels a little bit like that. <laughs> nowhere else to run. Here's David, he's found himself in a cave. He's still singing psalms, but he's thinking, oh, Wow, look at all these people that have come around me. They're all mad. We're all hiding in this cave together. Many people here tonight, I believe, maybe you've walked through some hard things. Maybe you're walking through some issues in life. I believe that God has been doing a work, a refining work in his church, and many of us have been, able to, have been having to face issues in our life that have uh, 
not God punishing us, but God refining us. God refining us. So yeah, he's a king all along, but he's got to make a king. He's got to make a priest. He's got to forge something inside of you. So David's in this place, and he's got all these men around him, and very powerful, but interesting place to be. And church, uh, churches can turn very much to a cave pretty quickly, where we gather a whole bunch of people that basically society has rejected or got issues or, or whatever. And we, we turn up into this place and we find safety in the church, which is, which is a fantastic place. It's a, God has uh, made this place for you, for you to find safety and for you to find refuge in. But the thing is, if we stay here long enough, if you, if you stay in the place for too long, in a place of despair, in a place of discouragement, all of a sudden it can turn to a cesspit. So here's David and his men. Hiding in the caves. And then the Bible says that this, this, this person or these people came up to him and said, David, 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 we need your help. We need your help. The Philistine army have gone into the city of, of, of Keilah and they're robbing its threshing floors. They're robbing the place of harvest. David, please come and save us. We've got to put this into remember to put this in perspective. It was only last week that David's pretending like he's a madman. Now he's hiding in the cave. Pursued like a rat. Got a bunch of people hanging around him, the lowest point of his life. And then somebody comes up and says, Help me. <laughs> Help me, Pastor. Help me, Pastor. Help me. The Bible says that the, the Philistine army, the, the Philistine army were the arch enemy of, of Israel. They were always at each other's throat. The Philistines were always trying to rob this and to rob that. They were back again. This time, they were after the, the threshing floors of Keilah. The, the, threth, the, 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 the threshing floor describes, it talks about a, a place of harvest. The threshing floor was a place where uh, souls had been gathered or, or, or people had been reached. It was, a, it was harvest time. I believe right now we're, in, we're always in harvest time. The fields are ripe. The, the fields are always ripe. The Philistines are robbing the threshing floor. Please save us. I wonder what Philistines are robbing our threshing floors today. And I was thinking, what are our threshing, what are our threshing floors? The threshing floor that, that I believe that, that are getting robbed right now. You only have to look in the paper to see what's going on. Friends, the, the, the business world, that's our, that's our threshing floor. The entertainment world, that's our threshing floor. The education world, that's our threshing floor. That's where our harvest is. If you look at our community right now, you look at the amount of young people whose lives are being robbed by Philistines, whose lives are being robbed by the occult, whose lives are being robbed by demonic bondages, whose lives are being robbed and stolen by sin. You look at the amount of innocent children now being, now being born into our world, born into, into, a, into a life of, of, of crime, born into a life of violence. Friends, that is our threshing floor. You look at our schools, our education system now. That is our threshing floor. Everywhere you look, you see demonic forces getting into our, our threshing floor. Their people have gathered, their, their, the harvest is ripe, and, but it's being robbed. Maybe you're here today and you're in business, and the Philistine army are robbing your finances somewhere, robbing your threshing floor. We're not, we're not needing a priest right now to pray for us. We're needing a king to stand up and fight for our behalf. I believe that right now that God is raising up kings in our church, not just to go, Lord, we pray for those schools. 
We pray for the business community. We just pray, Lord, for the government. And we just pray that you would just take the devil off them and they would be saved. That's fantastic. That's great. And God listens to our prayers. But what God needs is God needs kings. You and my, people like you and me, that will stand up and go to war. People like you and me, people like Amanda that would stand up and, and, and Kate that would stand up and, and, and start to reap the harvest of souls back and through future kids. Where's Amanda tonight? You're a king, Amanda. You're a king. You may feel like that you're in a hole. You may feel like sometimes you have to pretend to be a little bit mad to escape. But I'm going to tell you tonight that you are, you are a king. <laughs> you are a king. God is calling you not just to Go pray prayers for people, but God is calling you to go and bring that harvest back to get the Philistine army off our kids. Those kids that you're raising, they're our next politicians, they're our next teachers, they're our next business people. They need kings like you and the, the preschool team to go out and, and get that Philistine army off them. God's raising you up. You're a king. <laughs> and so they come to David and say, David, we need you to help. So David at this point, the Bible says that he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. What it does, it shows you something about David's heart. That although David was at the bottom of his world, he thought that the, this, is how, this is about the bottom of the rabbit hole. This is about as low as it can get. And here somebody's asked me for help. The thing about this, David, is this. Yes, he knew how to grieve. Yes, he had experiences probably worse than you or me. But the thing about David was, Something inside of him moved because God had anointed him a king. See, when God anoints you, you may not be in that position right now, but God puts the seed of kingship in our life. And that seed sometimes just takes a little bit of time to, to germinate. And when he, heard the, when he heard that the threshing floor was being robbed, see, the thing is, friends, it was, uh, it was Saul's job to go out and protect the, the, the threshing floor. It was Saul's job. Saul was king. Saul was king. It should have been Saul's job to, to go out and, and protect the, the schools, to protect the, the to get out there involved in the community. It was, it was Saul's job to defend the borders. But Saul's so caught up, busy chasing David, and Saul angry. But even though David was in a place, he found it in his heart to, to get over his issues, to look outside of the box, to look outside of the shame, to look outside of the humility and have a sense of purpose, to have a sense of kingship and, and, and uh, arising inside of his heart. At that point, the king started to arise. And it's often in the times that we're damaged the most. Often in the times of humility, often in the times of shame, often in the times where we feel the lowest of low. The seed of a king starts to arise. God starts to call you out again. And so the Bible says that, that David inquired of the Lord. So first thing about the making of a king. A king has got nations in his heart. A king has always got people's, uh, people in his heart. A king has to have something to fight for. What is it that is out there waiting for you? What is the keeler in front of you today that is calling out to you, come and help us, it's robbing our threshing floor? Young people, who is it that is calling out to you? What, uh, what is, I, I believe that tonight that God has uh, got kings in this place here tonight. And there are people in the community. What is that keeler? Which keeler is that that's crying out to you? Come and save us. 
You may be broken. You may be hurting. You may be having all these things going on. You may have issues. Very good. To, very easy to get caught up in our issues. But there's always a bigger purpose. There comes a time where we've got to stand up, deal with our issues, and go to war. Go and stand up for what God has called us to be. The Bible says that in, in Samuel chapter, in, in chapter 23, verse 2, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Second thing about David, he had a reverence for the Lord. <laughs> he had a reverence for the Lord. Even though he was a king inside, he still knew how to ask. He still knew how to come before God. He was still obedient to the Lord. Thing about being a king, first thing, you've got to be big-hearted. Second, <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to really have a heart for the Lord. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And, David, and the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Go on, young man, stand up, get out into your community, get out into your school, get out into the community of Hastings, go and save our community. Go out into the nations, go out and stand up and go out and fight for people's lives. Go out and fight for the souls of men and women. Go out and stand up and fight for your community. Get out there in the mission field. Okay. So David goes back to his 400, 500 men and says, okay, man, we've got an issue here. We all know that the, there's a big harvest out here and the, the harvest is being robbed and God, we've been asked to go out. We've been commissioned. We've been called to go out and save the lost. We've been called to go out and reap the harvest. You know, the guy's response was this. He said, <laughs> but... Uh, we're afraid here in Judah. If we're afraid here, how much more are we going to be afraid on the mission field? Um, I've got issues that I'm working out. It's like, if you don't understand, David, that I've been abused and I've been rejected by my family and we're in a cave together. I've lost all my money. I don't know where to run. And you're asking me to go out and fight. <laughs> yep. David goes to the other guys. David goes to the other. Some of the other guys. I mean, God's told us to go out and save the city. And some of the administrators would stand up and say, "Well, that's not really in the calendar, is it? We don't. We've got other things. We've got issues to sort out, and it's not. It's not really thought out. This is. This is quite an inconvenient time to go ahead and do something like this. Actually, they're afraid. Fear is one of the big things that will rob you of becoming a king. I'm, I don't even want to pray out. I mean, I'm scared to even go say hello to somebody new in the church. And you're asking me to go out and preach the gospel. You're asking me to go out and engage government. You're asking me to go out into the school system. And, and I can't even say hello to somebody new. And so David hears these complaints, goes back to the Lord and says, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> I've just talked to the guys. I've talked to the fellas about that, and they've just come back and said that it's not on the not on the calendar. So we can't do it this year. We can we might have space in the calendar to do it next year. Uh, we've got to. I'm just not in the place of just you know. I'm hurting inside. I'm broken. And David's thinking, yeah, I'm I'm broken too. But <laughs> while we're sitting here broken and really sitting in fear. Tonight, there's a threshing floor that's being robbed. Tonight, I wonder how many young people tonight 
are ready to blow their brains out on drugs? How many people, young people tonight giving away uh, the most precious gift that God has given to them? How many people tonight are on the steps of eternity? How many people's lives tonight are being taken by sin? How, many, how much of our harvest tonight is being robbed? Because no one is standing up and saying, I'll be a king, I'll go to war, I'll go get him. How many? How many more people in our community? How much violence needs to take place? How much, how much more poverty needs to take place before somebody in the church will stand up as a king and say, look, I'm going to deal with my issues, but I'm going to stand up and I will go out and engage my community and I will defend and I will bring freedom to the, I will defend the harvest. How, how, how many young people, how many teenagers have to lose their lives by suicide or, or drugs or, or stuff like that before one of you stands up and says, I'm going to war for my young people? How many more? But I know we've all got issues. God's always going to be working and stuff in our lives. All of us at some point have to get over fear. I mean, two or three times a year there's an older call and somebody comes for fear and people come up and some manifest, some don't manifest, but it's an older call for fear, deliverance of fear, three or four times a year, but the fear's still there. At some point, a king must arise. At some point, you and I have got to arise as kings and engage our community. The Bible says that. So David inquired back of the Lord, and he said, Are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? Are you sure you want us to go out and establish a school? Are you sure you want us to go out there and establish new businesses that, that excel beyond our imagination? Are you sure? And the Lord responded to him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, and I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. The Bible says in it, David came back and encouraged his men. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and struck them with such a mighty blow and took away their lives. And so David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. The thing about David was this. One, he was generous. He thought beyond his own circumstances. Two, he was obedient to the Lord. He was a man of prayer. Three, he knew how to inspire his people that were all in distress with him. If you want to be a king, if you want to be a kingmaker, learn to inspire the people around you. There are going to be people around you that are, are discouraged and disappointed and stuck in their fear, maybe going through exactly the same things that you are. But when you stand up as a king, when you stand up in faith, when you stand up as a man or a woman of God, you will inspire people around you. You will make kings. And the Bible goes on to say that... Um, That David and his men, they went out and they won a, a tremendous victory. It wasn't the only victory that we, well, they won. As you read through the Bible, the Bible says that they, they, they won many victories. And eventually the Bible talks about the three mighty men that were born. So he wasn't just a King David that was born, I believe, that moment. But the Bible goes on to say that there was a, some other men that rose up with him. There was Eliezer, the Bible says, that they got into another scrap. And everybody took off and Eliezer and a, and a couple of other guys stood around the Bible says that he stood his ground in front of everyone. He stood his ground against the Philistines and just did not retreat. Fought them so hard until his hand cleaved to the sword and brought about a mighty victory just by himself. There's another one about Ben and I. Killed an Egyptian and all these different mighty men that did all these great exploits. Those mighty men were once 
those people back there saying, I've got issues to work out, you don't understand, it's not in the diary, it's not in the calendar, we haven't got it planned out, I haven't got enough money. I haven't... But when they responded to David, mighty men and mighty women were born. I wonder tonight, can I just have the band up now? I wonder tonight, I wonder how many kings, I wonder how many mighty men, I wonder how many mighty women are in this house tonight. You may not feel like a king. You may not look like a king. You may be in a place where you're, you're having to grovel a wee bit. Maybe you're in a place of despair. Maybe you're in a place of, humili- of, of shame. See, God sees what you've been going through. God sees where you've come from. God sees where you are now. God sees what you've become. Some of those men that were grizzling and groaning and saying, look, we're afraid even in church. I can't even say hello to the new person that's sitting over there. Just, I'd rather say over here. I wonder if that was Eliezer. I wonder if that was Eliezer, the, the man that stood up against hundreds of Philistine soldiers just with a sword by himself and fought them all off and won a victory. I wonder if Eliezer was one of those people that was saying, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. I'm scared. And out of that one experience, a mighty man was born. I wonder what mighty people are here in this place tonight. And I remember myself where, and I'm not that well educated at all. <laughs> There's times where I've struggled with different issues as well. There was a time when I really couldn't speak in front of a handful of people without getting the... <laughs> I was too scared to go and say hello to a new person. And now... Last year I preached to 30,000, no problem at all. Now I see great and mighty miracles. I wonder what kings are in this place right now. Maybe you're in a place where you're, I don't know, dealing with issues. Let me encourage you, don't stay in that place. There's a harvest out there, and when you stand up as the king, or the queen, whatever, that God has called you to be. When you stand up into the harvest, you will find, I believe, that stuff will start to shake off your life. God will forge something inside of you. Why don't you just close your eyes right now? Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you tonight, Lord, that you are doing a work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that tonight you're forging us. Thank you, Lord, tonight that you are making us into queens and kings, that you're making us into people that would stand up and fight on behalf of others. Tonight, Lord, we don't want to to sit in a place of shame and brokenness for all our lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you see what we're going through, but you can see what we can become. Thank you that tonight, even as David prayed, who is man that you are mindful of him? 
that you've crowned him with glory and honor. Tonight, you may be in this place and you don't feel like you're crowned with glory and honor. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your life.